Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your grace, your mercies that are new every morning, and we are so thankful, Lord, to be standing in an age when your arms are open to every human being, calling to us, saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so, Lord, as we step into a new year, we come yet again to you. We come to you because we know that you are the God of all creation, and you are worthy. You are worthy of our praise and adoration. We come because we know you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We come because through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have overcome our sin and you have overcome the grave. And you stand in victory. We come. We come, Lord, because you allow us to come to you. And so today, through your word and by your spirit, we pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when we step away from this service, We do so more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray, amen. Well, God bless you and happy new year. And I wanna tell you, uh, today on this first day of the year, we're going to look back so that we can look ahead. And particularly, we're going to look back to what the early church did as they trusted and followed Jesus. They did a pretty good job. What they established has endured for more than two millennia. What they established so many years ago continues to deeply impact our lives this day. And so, as God calls us to look ahead into a new year, I believe he also calls us to look back at those patterns that were established by his first church, by the first followers of Jesus, so that we might better live out our faith in a way that's as impactful as the way that they lived out their faith. I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, if you're in the Red Pew Bible here in the sanctuary, that is page 911 is actually where we're going. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. But as you turn there, I want to tell you, uh, many of you know that on Christmas Eve, I get my dad's Bible down. And I, I share the Christmas Eve message from my dad's Bible. It, it was given to him when he was just a little kid in the early 50s, and it is the King James Version, and it even is so holy that it has a zipper. How many of you have a Bible that has a zipper attached to it? That is, that is a holy Bible. And every year when I get it down, I have to take a stack of these little cards out of it because he took that Bible with him to church. And at church, in Sunday school, when he was a little kid, they had these little cards that they would give, little cards that had various little lessons of the faith. This one in particular struck me one day many years ago, and it struck me again this past Christmas Eve. It is the prayer of St. Richard of Chichester. And as I read it, I realized that I had heard it before. I thought it was a joke from a movie released in the early 2000s. Sure enough, this thing's been around for a while. Some of you might have heard it as part of a Broadway musical that was released in the early 70s. Or others of you may have sung this as a hymn in your church. But the prayer of St. Richard of Chichester is this. 
day by day, dear Lord, of thee three things I pray, to see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly, day by day. That's been around for a while. And this text that we're going to look at today is going to talk about what the early disciples did day by day. Now, it reminded me of something. Many of you know that I've had a, a weight loss journey over the past decade, really. I started at a very heavy weight. Uh, my weight gain was not due to any sort of medical condition. Uh, as one of my friends put it, can't blame it on your thyroid, can you? And he was right, and I wanted to blame it on my thyroid. No, my weight gain was based solely on gluttony, which the Bible says is a sin. So my view of repentance is if we see a sin in our life, what do we do? We turn away from that sin and we turn toward Christ. So part of repenting for my sin of gluttony was starting a regimen that would lead me to get rid of some of the consequence of my sin, that I needed to lose some weight. And so I did. And, and again, it took a decade to go from where I was to where I am now. But, but here's something that I learned. I learned that for me to say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, really didn't do me a lot of good because that goal was so far out there that I could very easily say, yeah, I'm in the process of losing 20 pounds. However, the pizza is here right now. And if I enjoy this right now, I will eventually get to the 20 pounds. And you know what would happen? I'd never get there. In fact, I wouldn't even not get there. I would add to where I was. That's, that's part of the issue. So I learned that I had to do it a little different. I had to establish what I like to call process goals, such that my goals, of course, might be to lose X amount of weight or might, need to, might be to get to a certain point, but that couldn't be the goal that I focused on. No, the goal that I focused on had to be what I would do that day. So even today, I mean, I, I wear one of these fancy watches that tells you what your heart rate is and, and what your, uh, even what your oxygen saturation is and tells you how many steps you take and how many calories you burn and all those sorts of things. And I was scared to death the first, thought, the first time I put it on because I thought, well, it's going to tell me that it's all coming crashing to an end. You know, it didn't. But this allows me to follow some process goals. So, so a couple of my process goals uh, with regard to exercise that this tells me about is I, I have a goal for how many steps I'm going to take in a day. In fact, the other night, uh, I looked at my watch and I was not where I needed to be. So I took out on a walk and there was a lot of snow and ice on the ground. And my wife texted me and said, where have you gone? I said, I need to get my steps in. So I needed to meet that process goal because if I would meet that process goal, then that would allow me to live in the ultimate goal that I have. Another goal that I have is I want to work out six times a week. That's what I do. That's my goal. I'm not saying it should be your goal. I'm saying it's my goal in consultation with my physician. Six times a week, and every time I work out, I want to burn at least 500 calories. So if I haven't burned 500 calories, I'm not done working out just yet. And so, again, doesn't mean that I never miss it, but it means that that is the goal that I have today to get to where I want to be in the future. So I have goals about my exercise. I have goals about my eating, my hydration. I have goals about sleep. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's the one I'm struggling with the most right now. I have goals of how many hours of sleep I want to get in a night. And so if I know I'm getting up at this time in the morning, then I need to be in bed by this time in the evening. And, and 
That's just my process goal to live a healthy life. That's what it's about. It's about living in health for me, right? Well, the same is true of our spiritual health. You know, you may look at your relationship with Jesus today and say, in 2023, I want to get closer to Jesus. I believe that's a good goal. But I think that to be more realistic about reaching that goal, all of us have to develop some process goals that allow us to measure day by day by day by day how are we doing in the pursuit of that goal. Well, here's what's interesting. When we go back to the birth of the early church, guess what they talk about? What they did day by day by day. It's almost as if God planned it that way. So I want to invite you to look with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And I want to give us this theme today. Day by day, moment by moment, step by step, choice by choice, I decide to follow Jesus. I decide to follow Jesus. And as we'll see at the end, we say yet again, no turning back. No turning back. Acts chapter 2. Acts is written by Luke the physician who writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Our first point today is this. Following Jesus means, quote, continuing steadfastly, end quote, in the disciplines that draw me closer to him. Following Jesus means continuing steadfastly in the disciplines that draw me closer to him. The Bible says these early Christians devoted themselves. That word in the Greek is proskartereo, and it means to attend constantly, to persist in, to persevere in, or to continue steadfastly in. In other words, these were daily practices for them. These were disciplines for them. These were habits for them. These were patterns by which they lived. And what were these patterns? To what did they devote themselves? Well, the first thing, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, at this time, they didn't have the gospels yet. They didn't have the epistles yet. You know what they had? They had the authoritative teaching of the apostles appointed by Jesus who spoke about the truths of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Peter, the apostle in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, said that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. My kids were making fun of me the other day. They said, why is it that every time you read a passage from the Bible, you say, so-and-so writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit? I said, because 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, they spoke from God as they were what? Carried along by the Holy Spirit. God didn't dictate the Bible. If you go read the Bible in the original languages of Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, you're going to see different writing styles. You're going to see the personalities of the human authors come out. But what did he do? It wasn't that they were taking it down as he, as he said it to them. What did he do? He used their personalities. He used their education. He used their writing style. And he set forth his truth because he carried them along by his Holy Spirit. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what does that mean for us? It means we get in God's Word because here we have the apostles' teaching written down. 
In fact, Peter would later say in that letter, 2 Peter, that what we have is more fully confirmed even than what the early church had because God has confirmed it by including it in his word. So we read his word day by day. First thing, in the morning for me, because I know if I put it off, guess what? It ain't going to happen. In fact, I've, I've gotten out of my routine. In the past. How many of you have gotten out of your routine of life in the past week? They say that this, this week between Christmas and New Year's, you kind of enter into this fog and you eat a lot of cheese and you're really not sure what day it is. We had New Year's Eve last night at our house. That means it's Porkapalooza. I made the mistake one time of going to the doctor two days after New Year's Eve and having blood work done, and I was getting ready to go on every cholesterol medication, triglyceride medication, blood pressure medication, because I don't eat a lot of pork, but on New Year's, I mean, last night we had pigs in the blanket, we had sausage balls, we had Rotel dip with sausage in it. I mean, it was just, there's nothing healthy. I mean, I can still taste the salt right now, and I've brushed my teeth several times since then. You know how that is, right? So just, but, but what do we do? We get in the truth, we live in the truth, we dwell in the truth, and we follow what God has said. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching day by day by day, and I would recommend you start your day with the apostles' teaching through the Word of God. What else did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. That word fellowship in the New Testament in Greek is koinonia. It's koine, it's common. They had things in common. That's, we have koinonia groups. We're getting ready to invite you to consider being a part of a koinonia group. What in the world is a koinonia group? It's a, it's a community group. That's what koinonia means. It's, it's fellowship. It's community. You know, when we're inviting people to church, we're not inviting people to some organization that is a service provider. That's one of the worst things that's happened to the church in the 20th and 21st century. We view the church as a service provider that we can set up a Google review about. Well, this church doesn't do this, and this church does this. And what, it, it's crazy. We've lost the concept of what the church is. The church is not a building. The church is not a set of programs. What is the church? It's the people. I know, I know. They taught me, and I've said it to my kids. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up. Here's all the people. That's heresy, incidentally. <laughs> I mean, I've done it too. Because the, the truth is, it's here's the building that may or may not have a steeple. Our church doesn't have a steeple on it. But this, the people, this is the church. This is, our church learned that in 1991 when a devastating fire destroyed the building. But what happened to the church? It remained. Because the church is the fellowship of the people who have communion with God and union with one another. That's why when we celebrate communion, we wait until everybody's been served and we all take it together because our fellowship is with God the Father and with one another through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're in this together. The church is not some service provider that you make posts about on social media because they did or didn't meet your needs. Know that the church, the church is the body of Christ the faith family that walks with one another through life's toughest moments and celebrates with one another in life's grandest moments and does life together in life's most ordinary moments. 
So they devoted themselves to the, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to what else? To the prayer. They devoted themselves to the prayers. These people were scared. You know where they are? Jerusalem. Do you know what has happened in Jerusalem over the course of the past seven or eight weeks? They watched their Savior get convicted in a trumped-up series of trials, beaten, shoved out of the city, crucified, buried. And the same people who did all that were still there. Still very suspect because they didn't buy into the truth of the resurrection. And so these people who were trusting and following Jesus are doing so within the context that was very, very dangerous for them. It could mean their lives to trust and follow Jesus. But they were doing it nonetheless. They were scared. Do you know what you do when you're scared? You pray. How many of you have been in a moment where you were scared? Either because of yourself or because of somebody you loved or, or, or some situation. You were scared. What did you do? You prayed. I, I met with a woman one time who had been through a horrific battle with cancer, and she came through on the other side. And one of her comments about life on the other side was this. She said, I miss how close I was to God during the battle. And I said, tell me more about that. She said, during that battle, I prayed like I had never prayed before in my life. And now that the battle has ended and I've come out victorious on the other side, I don't pray as often. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in the midst of the battle and prayed like you've never prayed and then you got through, God brought you through, and you didn't pray quite as much? She was just being honest and saying, I, I missed that closeness. And the reminder for both of us was that, you know, God's perspective toward us, relationship toward us, and willingness to be in that relationship with us is not contingent upon what we're going through. We could be just having ordinary time, and he's still just as close. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And now, verse 43 and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Our second point, following Jesus means worshiping God and telling the world of his greatness. Worshiping God and telling the world of his greatness. Awe came upon every soul. That word there is phobos. It's where we get phobia. It can mean fear or awe. And what is it? It is, it is that they felt the wondrous greatness of God. And in response, they worshiped him. And then what did they do? They, they, they participated in wonders and signs that were being done through the apostles. And what was God doing? He was legitimizing this movement. If you look in the Bible, there are seasons when miracles are prevalent. Miraculous things happen when God is establishing and legitimizing the movement. And this is what is happening here. This is evangelism. Because as people saw the great works of God, what did they do? They became intrigued with Jesus, and they came to Jesus through the community of faith. The point, the point of the miracle was never the miracle. you got to know that. Are we beneficiaries of miracles? Of course we are. We pray for them constantly. Every day I'm praying for miracles in people's lives. 
But you've got to understand the point of the miracle is never the miracle. The point of the miracle is to point us to Jesus. So they worshiped and they told the world of his greatness. And now verses 44 through 47. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, there it is, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Our third point. Following Jesus means giving generously of that which God has entrusted to me. They gave. They gave. Many of you give generously. I don't know who you are. I don't know what anybody gives except for my family. Some of you could give more generously. I know that. I know that in any church, 20% of the the people do 80% of the giving, whether that's time, talent, or treasure. And I want to encourage you, if, if that's not an area where you've obeyed the Lord in your life, I would encourage you. He says this in Malachi, test me in this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I don't bless you. Can you imagine what God could do with billions of Christians around the world if we all gave faithfully of all that God has entrusted to our care? What could God do? What might God through his church be able to eradicate if we were just faithful? This was not some sort of communistic utopia. They had individual homes, but but here's when a need arose, do you know what they did? They met it. That's what they did. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that is so faithful in meeting so many needs, but I want to encourage all of us. You say, oh, wait a minute, the preacher's talking about giving now. Yeah, well, that's because God does. That's all. And I'm just telling you, if you will give according to his standard, you will be blessed. There's always blessing in obedience. So let me summarize this. This is our fourth point. Following Jesus means patterning my life after the early church. What does that mean? It means reading and studying the Bible. Today, read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Follow that reading plan with us. It'll change your life. And listen, in the reading plan this year, there's only six readings a week, so you've got day seven to catch up if you, if you get behind, because that can happen. Secondly, they cultivated community with Christ followers, common unity, communion with God and with one another through Jesus Christ, cultivating community with Christ followers. Thirdly, calling out to God in prayer calling out to God in prayer. Fourth, worshiping God. Worshiping God. Fifth, telling others about Jesus and inviting them to church. And remember, when you're inviting them to church, you're inviting them to be a part of your faith family, the community of Christ. Yeah, we meet in a building on the corner of 12th and Chestnut, but that's not the church. The church is all the followers of Jesus who are part of this community of faith. And finally, giving generously to advance God's kingdom. Giving generously to advance God's kingdom. You know, sometimes we approach faith by thinking that it's something that we need to get done. Right, and there is. You you do have to cross the starting line of faith. 
If you've never crossed the starting line of faith by receiving Jesus Christ, you are separated from God, still in your sin, and headed toward hell. But God doesn't want that for you. He so loved you that he gave his son so that you might be forgiven of your sin as you repent of your sin and trust and follow Jesus Christ as Lord. If you've crossed the starting line of faith, then you are in Christ, but you've crossed the starting line. And there's next steps. And day by day, what do we do? We take our next steps of trusting and following Jesus, of living out our faith. Faith is not something I have done. Faith is something I am doing. And as we together live out our faith day by day by day by day, let me tell you what happens, two things. God is glorified and the world is blessed. I pray like never before in 2023 at First Baptist Church, God is glorified and the world is blessed. Thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.